Turn to the scriptures. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Father, we are grateful to you for your word. We pray that you will speak into our lives. We pray that Christ will be exalted and your will will be instilled in each and every one of us. Every resistance to the preaching of God's word, we bind them. We take victory in the name of Jesus. To Christ be the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Take your seats. Thank you, Father. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Normally, when we hear a word or a term, immediately a picture or an image will go, come through our mind. Every one of us have a unique understanding of different terminology that we use or the words that we use. So if I were to say, Skies. Well, Mason, what comes to your mind? Yeah, the sky. What comes to your mind? Blue color. Very good. Brother Avinash, if I say the ocean, what comes to your mind? Waves. Timothy, I say traffic. Lights, what comes to your mind? Did you say blue? Okay. Well, the traffic light has red, yellow, and green, but most of the people will say red for some reasons. So whenever we hear a word, you know, an image pops up into our mind. You know, we all have that image in our mind. So if I were to say meek, what comes to your mind? Humble, okay, very good. Okay. So when people say meek, people have different meanings that pop into their mind. Normally the word meekness, people would interpret it as mild manner. This is how Webster goes. Webster defines it as a state of being meek, a mild, moderate, humble, or submissive quality. That's how Webster would define meekness. Quite often, people think meekness is weakness. That is a misconception in general people would have. Let me draw a picture before you. How many of you are dog lovers here? I think this pandemic season, a lot of people got dogs. Good, I love dogs too. It's just that the majority in our homes, uh, we are tied actually. I don't want to use my veto power. Praise the Lord. Two at home says no dog, two says yes. So we just decide to go with the peace. Besides the barking, all right? So 
Uh, dog lovers, you know, I love dogs. Imagine Saint Bernard. What's so unique about that dog? It's big, it's big. 180 to 225 pounds, they say, around 30 inches in height. It's a big dog. Another big dog is Great Dane. The other, way, the other day I was at Kumunar in those house and I saw this huge thing just glide by and I look, it's a Great Dane. Now imagine a Saint Bernard or a Great Dane. And a small, tiny poodle or one of those little dogs standing right in front of this big, huge, humongous dog barking and growling. The Saint Bernard just sits there, calmly looks at it. Could just chomp it down with just one gulp. Or would take his huge paw and just... But the Saint Bernard is very gentle. Meekness. Has the power to hurt, maim, but... Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. Praise the Lord. The term pros is used in Greek to say, to, to mention the term meekness. It's used in New Testament times to describe a wild animal that's tamed or domesticated. Think about a wild horse. A wild horse would not allow anybody to put the bit or bridle or put a saddle on its back. But once it's broken in, that's the term that they use, breaking it in, broken in, tamed, domesticated. That horse is used for the use of the rider or the master. Wild, it has the strength, the power, the energy. It's bursting with energy. Bursting with, with strength and power. But when it is tamed and domesticated, the rider or the owner, what he does is, the horse, even though it has the same kind and amount of energy and strength, it's harnessed, that energy, that strength, that power is harnessed and channeled and put it into use of the owner. That's what meekness is. Praise the Lord. When you look in the scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are two figures or character that is personified or personification of what meekness is. In the Old Testament, you see uh, is Moses, Moses is known as most meekest man on earth. The meekest man on earth. Think about Moses for a minute. You need to take into consideration the context of that verse, Numbers 12.3, where the Holy Spirit has written it down that Moses was the most meekest man on the face of the earth. Do you know what the context was? When you go home, check it out. The context that verse is written. You know, the birth of Moses and his upbringing is so dramatic. Lived 120 years and it's broken. His life is broken into segments 40 years times three. 
the first 40 years is in the house of the Pharaoh. Raised up as Pharaoh's son. He's trained under the Egyptian, the best academy there. Probably a war machine by the time he comes out of the war academy. A statesman, a leader, a commander. Man who could just throw a punch and kill a person with one blow. Very powerful man. Very powerful man. Bursting with energy and power and strength. Inbuilt strength. The power of forces. The authority as Pharaoh's son. All this at his disposal. Could be used to harm and maim people. Comes to the aid of a fellow Israelites and, and just knocks the light out of a Egyptian. Bursting with energy, but not the kind of strength that God's looking for. So God sends him into the wilderness. The first 40 years of training in Pharaoh's academy. Now he's in God's academy in the wilderness. The next 40 years, God breaks him in. The next 40 years, he's broken. Look at his landscape. Nothing before him, barren. Nothing before him. The man who was ready to hold the scepter of the kingdom holds a staff in his hand. The man who ordered armies of Egypt. Now he's calling out the sheep. The only sound you can hear in that wilderness. Completely broken with nothing looking into the horizon there is no hope to be seen God shows up God shows up how many of you know when God shows up things dramatically change God showed up in the burning bush because it was time for God to start utilizing this man who would be the most meekest man on the face of the earth. Strength under control. When God showed up at Abraham and Sarah's house, the barrenness was gone. When God showed up at Job's tent, man was bankrupt. Health and wealth, power and position, possession and posterity was gone. Empty. When God showed up, everything was reinstated. Praise God. When Jesus showed up at the beach, the fishermen became fishers of men. When Jesus showed up at the gate of Damascus, the persecutor became the propagator of the gospel. When Jesus showed up at the Isle of Patmos, John fell flat on his face. When he woke up, we have a preview of the attractions to come. When God shows up in your life and my life, things will dramatically change. Have you experienced that encounter in your life? Praise God. Moses 
praise God, was being, getting ready to be used by God. So God breaks him in. Praise God, he's a broken man, ready to be sent out to do the purpose of God. Meek. Under strength, power, under control. This is how A.W. Tozer in this book, The Pursuit of God, puts what meekness is. The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson. But he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God declared him to be. But paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he in the sight of God is of more importance than angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. End of quote. Praise the Lord. That's what a meek man is. So put this whole thing into perspective. Poor in the spirit, mourning of our sin, and meek. Praise the Lord. Meekness with strength harnessed for the purpose of the king of kings and for him alone. Praise the Lord. Think about this man, Moses. When the people grumbled at him, questioned his authority, he came to God and he cried. When they had no way out, he looked to the Lord. When his own siblings talked ill of him, he kept his mouth shut. But when the people, they built a golden calf, and started worshiping and dancing before the golden calf. The man went ballistic. He threw the two tablets, the Ten Commandments on the floor and smashes it. He makes them grind the golden calf into powder, puts it into the water, mixes it with water and tells them to drink it. He gives a clarion call. Who's on the Lord's side? Come to me. He gives orders. Listen. The meekest man on the face of the earth. When he was verbally assaulted, he kept quiet. When they belittled him, he kept quiet. But when they insulted God, he stood tall and strong and he reacted that's what meekness is praise God when you are insulted personally you let God handle it but when he is his word is compromised when people go against what is clearly written in the word of God you roar and you stand for him and you speak out that is meekness Power, strength under control. Quite often, people are the opposite. 
when they are insulted, they react violently. When God's name is abhorred, when the scriptures are just run over, when people step over the words of God, we stay silent and calm. That's not meekness. That is weakness. Praise God. When it comes to the word of God, zero tolerance to compromise. When people attack us personally, silent, let God that's what that was what Moses was all about people grumbled when God tells him no I'm not going to let you enter into the promised land because of one infraction one error I commanded and you smote therefore I'm not going to let you in in essence God saying I'm going to make you a lesson for the world to see the effect and the impact of what disobedience is. What disobedience can cost, I want the world to see from you. What do you think Moses did? You think Moses picked it? You think Moses called a group of people and said, we need to talk, we need to put an appeal? Did Moses say, I'm going to veto, or I'm going to speak, or did he cry and grieve? Of course, he was sad. But he yielded himself to what God had pronounced. That is weakness. Praise God. Going with what God says. Following the will of God. Using our strength, our power, our resources, our influence for the glory of God. And also withholding our power, our influence that can harm and maim people. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. God is very particular what he hands into the hands of his children. Listen to me carefully. He knows who can handle what. Who will handle it right. If you and I were given the power to zap people. <laughs> Imagine that. Praise God. But on the other hand, using our power, using our words, using our influence, using our positions, using our resources for the glory and the expansion of the kingdom of God and the good of mankind. This is what God expects of us. That's Old Testament, the deliverer, Moses. One infraction doesn't get in. New Testament, the deliverer, the emancipator of mankind. The other one is emancipator of one group of people. 
the Jewish people. In the New Testament, that's Jesus, the emancipator of mankind. The Old Testament, Moses stands against the enemies of God, Pharaoh. In the New Testament, Jesus stands against the enemy of mankind, Satan. Jesus comes into the scene. And look what Jesus says. Matthew 11, 28, 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavily laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon yours and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Jesus says about himself, I am meek and humble, lowly. You know, Jesus was not a weak person. People have this image of Christ on the cross, helpless, hanging on the cross at the mercy of the Roman emperor or the empire. Jesus was not weak. He was strong. By trade, he was a carpenter. In the days when they did not have power tools, he handled the lumber. He put, he put stuff together. It was raw manual labor. Jesus was strong. He who put the universe together by the power of his spoken word uses raw strength to put things together. He who had innumerable angelic beings at his disposal did not use his power for his own needs. He who could glide on water used a boat, a vessel. He who could have teleported himself from one place to another, nah. He's omnipresent, confined himself to a place and to a time, restricting himself. Praise the Lord. He who could have just obliterated his foes into oblivion with just a word. Did not use that word. And the guy, soldiers came to arrest him in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus asked a simple question. Who are you looking for? And the Bible says these guys just went backwards and boom on the floor. Simple one question. Who are you looking for? If that was the case, Jesus would have done it. When the creature dared to crucify the creator, and the creator could have uttered one word and just completely annihilated them, he did not. Power under control. When he was hanging on the cross, they taunted him, saying, If you're truly the Son of God, come down. We will believe in you. It was not the strength of the spike, the Roman spikes that made him hang on the cross. It was a love for you and for me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Strength and power 
meek. Praise God. That's what meekness is. Praise God. Will you have the power, the influence, praise God, to do what you have to do, but you use it for the glory of God, for the purpose of God. Jesus was always aligned with his Father's will, did what the Father told him to do. His moments, it's his movements were synchronized with the heartbeat of the Father. Well, the Old Testament deliverer had an infractions, had, had failures in his life. Jesus, the deliverer of mankind, perfect to the T. Praise God. Hallelujah. This Jesus is full of compassion. Those who are bound in sin, he set them free. Those who are demon-possessed, he let them go free. Those who are sick, he healed them. Those who are caught in sin, he let them go, giving them instruction, don't sin anymore. I'm not going to bring judgment on you. Wow. Compassionate heart. Yet, it did not stop him from making a whip and cleansing the temple. My house shall be called the Father's. My Father's house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a den of thieves. He cleansed the temple. That did not, he did not stop him from coming out hard and harsh on those who were turning the temple into a place of business. That's meekness. Power under control, strength under control, using his power and strength at the right time to the right degree. So the question is, how is it being meek a blessed state? Because Jesus said, blessed are the meek. Well, when you and I are not driven by our own passions and our emotions, when we are not propelled by our whims and our desires, when we are not prompted and promoted by our selfish desires, when we are able to take an insult and keep going on and on and on. A meek believer is one. When he's slapped, he offers his other cheek. Woo! The other day, I don't know how many of you guys saw this. There was a video of a young evangelist. He was propagating the gospel in India. And this woman comes out and slaps him on his face because he's propagating the gospel. This young evangelist, he turns his cheek and says, go ahead. Wow. You can't do that if you're not meek. Because the meek person holds no resentment or bitterness. Praise the Lord. Yes, the meek person will not hold anything against anyone. Praise the Lord. He's controlled by the Spirit of God. Praise God. Governed 
by the lofty kingdom principle, not the lowly worldly ideals of life. Praise God. And God wants us to exhibit meekness in our day-to-day life. How do you do that? When we respond with gentleness. Think about our life. Our life consists of innumerable interactions, encounters with people, scheduled and unscheduled. Often altercations, disagreements, conflicts, and conflicts of interest. Yeah, even among the children of God. In fact, through all these innumerable interactions with people, there is a possibility that we might get hurt. All hurts are not physical hurts. There are emotional, relational hurts that people go through in their lives. When people hurt you, how do we respond? How do we respond when people hurt us? What is our reaction when people hurt us? We can go berserk. We can go crazy. We can bring the picket out and say, hey, it's my right. You can retaliate. Revenge. Some even go to the extent of vendetta. But to respond to that in forgiveness, that requires meekness and grace. Praise God. Like Paul puts it to the Romans, Romans chapter 12, 21. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Praise God. The minute you start retaliating, you start seeking revenge. You are not controlled by the spirit of God. It is something else that's controlling you. That, according to Jesus, is not strength or power, but weakness. According to Jesus, a meek person, praise God, is blessed. A meek person has the ability to forgive. A meek person has the ability to let it go. Turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, let it go. Can we really let it go? Think about it. Quite often we give the impression that we have let it go. But we're secretly holding on to it. Is that us? During the Korean War, the Americans were in South Korea. And few Americans were staying, rented a house, and they were staying there. And they had a young Korean boy as a help aide, cooking and cleaning and doing stuff in their house. Two of the Americans there were pranksters. They always like to pull fast one on people. And so they started playing around with this kid. They would apply Vaseline to the to the oven switch. Unaware, the boy would come early in the morning to start cooking and he puts his hand on the switch and his hand is full of grease. 
They'll put small buckets of water by the door. Every time he opens the door, boom, the bucket will fall on him and he'll be drenched. They will go to the extreme of putting nails through his shoes into the floor. The kid would come and put his shoes and he can't move it and see it's nailed to the floor. So day in, day out, they pulled this on, on him. The Korean lad was silent, kept quiet, did not respond, did not say a word, no reactions, no response. It went on and on for quite some. Finally, the Americans grew. You know, they feel a little guilty. They called the boy one day and said, listen, we've been playing around with you for quite some time. We're sorry. We're playing just jokes. We're playing just games with you. We're sorry. Now on, we will not do it anymore. The boy looked blank, stared at them. He says, do you really mean it? He says, yes. The boy looked at them and said, so, no sticky grease? They said, no more. No water on head? No more. No nail on shoe? No more. No more. This is it. There was a glitter in his eyes and he looked back and he looked and said, okay, I no spit in your soup anymore. Quite often, we think people have let it go. Have you really let it go? When you forgive, when you don't hold anything against people who have done bad to you, when they offend you, when they run you over, when they stab you on your back, when they double cross you, the natural response, emotion is, Retaliation. But a man or a woman of God that's weak, that's broken, even though have the legal right to retaliate in full force, forgives. Not like the young boy. Spit in the soup. Praise God. What is our response? Can we really let go? Praise the Lord. Look what the scripture is saying. Jesus says, blessed is the man. Blessed is the meek. For he shall inherit the earth. Why is the scripture saying blessed is the meek? Look what the perks are. It's very interesting. The perks are here and there. Now and then. On earth and in heaven, in time and in eternity. Listen, all of the perks of God have this dimension to it. Now and then, here and there, on earth and in heaven, in time confined, in time and in eternity. Praise God. Here and now. The Bible says, as Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 25. 
how a man of God ought to be. And the Lord's servant must not strive, but be gentle towards all, apt to teach, forbearing in meekness, correcting them that oppose themselves. If pre-adventure, God may give them repentance unto the knowledge of truth. No strive, but be gentle. Praise God. Where there is meekness, there is no strife. Praise God. Meekness allows us to be on a receiving end. What receiving end? James 1.21. Wherefore, putting away all filthiness and overflowing of wickedness, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. One of the requirements of receiving, one of the requirements for the reception of divine truth is the willingness to receive the word of God with meekness, meaning receive it with humility. When we have the know-it-all attitude, we are not able to receive it. See, sometimes we read the words, and as soon as we read the words, we know what it is. We heard so many times, so many sermons through it. And if that's the mindset that we have, we are not going to receive anything. We won't receive anything. Because it's a wrong mindset. It's only a meek spirit that is able to receive the word of God that's going to impact and put an, an, an impression upon our lives. Every time you sit under the preaching and teaching of God's word, our mindset is very important. You can sit with a know-it-all, heard-it-all, being there, a know-it-all attitude, you're going to lose it. When we stay humble and submit ourselves, we receive of the Lord. This is how the psalmist puts it in Psalm 25.9. The humble he guides in justice. The humble he teaches his way. Who? The Lord. He guides in justice and he teaches his way. Who? To the humble, to the meek. Praise the Lord. So our prayer ought to be, Lord, I need your direction. I need your guidance. I need you to direct me in the right path, Lord. Praise God. Lord, I don't have an agenda of my own. I don't have a plan of my own. I want to do your will. And I want to submit. And I want to draft. And I want to design a plan for my life according to your will. Not propagating a planless life. But propagating a plan. That is aligned to the will of God concerning our life. Praise God. Quite often we cannot hear God's word. God's voice. Because it's our attitude. When we are in the receiving and ready and willing to receive of the Lord. That's when we hear God speaking as we read and dive into the scripture. Praise God. Meekness will amplify our witness. Peter writing, 1 Peter 3.15 puts it like this. And who is he that will harm you if he be zealous of that which is good? But even if he should suffer for righteousness sake, blessed are ye and fear not their fear, neither be troubled, but sanctify in your heart Christ as Lord. That means to reverence the Lord, 
which means to make him the sovereign of every facets of our lives. In the next part, being ready always to give answer to every man that asketh you a reason concerning the hope that is in you, yet with meekness and in fear. When you walk around this world claiming and displaying to be as a Christian, as a believer, people will ask you, hey, the reason for your hope. When they ask you, when people inquire you about the reason for your hope, how do we respond to that? If we do it in harshness and arrogance, we send the wrong message. The Bible promotes saying that give a reason for your hope in gentleness and in due reverence to God. Praise God. Not getting into argument, but lovingly tell them about the love of the lover of your soul. Praise God. The exhibition of grace ought to be gracious in its disposition. How often we fail to do that. How can one become meek? Nobody's born meek. By nature, a person might be volatile, gruff, rough, <laughs> tough. By nature, a person might be unrefined, boisterous, loud. But when you're clothed with his spirit, praise God, you become meek and gentle like our Savior. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's not by our own merit. It's not by our own ability. But by his spirit, we become meek. Because one of the fruit of the spirit is what? Meekness. The meek person is, listen to this carefully. The meek person is gentle and mild in his own, for his own causes. But, he may turn out to be a lion for God's cause. Listen to this. When it comes to your personal issue, you might be mild and gentle. But when it comes to God's matters, you can roar like a lion, praise God, in the defense of the gospel. Praise God. Hallelujah. Such people, the Bible says, will inherit the earth. When you look at the meek people, do you really see them inherit the earth? In fact, when you look around, you see the meek might be the ones that are, they are inheriting, what? Abuse, ostracism, put being put away. But Jesus says, the meek shall inherit the earth. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. You might not even have a small plot of land on the earth, yet you can inherit the earth. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Having nothing or the least, you can enjoy the earth. You can have everything in life and still be grumpy 
unsatisfied, dissatisfied, not content. I've seen a lot of people like that. I wonder, Lord, they got so much, how come they're not happy? Always complain. Always bickering. We who live in this part of the world, you know we are better off than the majority of the people on the face of the earth. But quite often, because of ingratitude, we're not content with what we have. Constantly complaining, cussing, fussing. Now, praise God. Enjoy the earth that God has given you. Look at the beauty of the nature and give thanks to the Lord. As you drive through the highways, look at the full foliage. You, you look at the colors and say, thank you, Jesus. Go to the beach. Go to the seashore. Look at the waves and say, thank you, Lord. You might not own anything in this world yet. You can enjoy the earth. But Jesus says, you will inherit this earth. A time is coming when Jesus is coming back. And you, the meek, praise God. One who is poor in the spirit has trusted in the finished work of the Lord Jesus. One who is mourning and being comforted by the comforter himself. One who is meek uses his strength and power for the good and the well-being of people around and for the propagation of the gospel. One day, you will inherit the earth. When you read Beatitudes, I want you to lift your eyes up from earth to a different plane. Because you and I are heaven bound. God has installed eternity within us. Here, we do not have an enduring city. We look forward to that city with foundation as builder and architect is God himself. One day, you will reign with him. You turn to your right, to your left. That's a ruler that's sitting there next to you. We'll reign with Jesus. You are able to overlook the offense and the insult and the pain on this face of the earth because when you turn your eyes to Jesus and what is in store for you. We shall be kings and priests with Christ the new heaven and the new earth will be the possession of the children of God I don't know about you but I plan to come back and reign turn to your neighbor and say I'm going to inherit the earth so don't get caught up with a flock in Rosalind Heights and Rose Lanes. Don't get caught up with a flock on highlands and hillside. Praise God.
If you have it, good. I say praise God to you. Praise God. But life is more than that. It's more than that. As you live on this earth, you experience the bliss of knowing that one day you will inherit the earth. At the same time, enjoy what God has given you now and here. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Do you consider yourself blessed? We can't be meek by our own self. We're striving for. But we, when we yield ourselves to Him, one who is meek and lowly, When you and I are hitched together with him, <laughs> an easy yoke, a light burden. And the more you hang out with him, his qualities, his character rubs off you, rubs onto you. Praise God. How do we respond and react to insults, to hurts, to offense? Shall we pray, Lord, give me a meek spirit. Help me to use what you have given me. My strength, my wealth, my power, my position, my possession. All for the good of mankind and for the extension of your kingdom. In Jesus' name.